You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Hey, we are canceling the apocalypse! Could you just introduce yourself? My name is Doug Kenny. I started the uh, National Lampoon. What if you say, I was the man who changed comedy forever, but I couldn't change myself? Really? Blow me. If we're running our own magazine, we can do anything we want. We can publish knock-knock jokes. Knock-knock. Who's that? Me. Me here. Me not doing the magazine. (laughs) That can go in issue one. It's a total failure. We're selling less than half our print run. You're not gonna hurt him, right? No. What are you doing? Don't I don't think there's any bullets in there. Catches! Gotcha. The Mormons are protesting. The feminists hate us. What do we do to the Catholics? Liza Minnelli? We are being sued by Disney. Maybe it wasn't such a hot idea to have Minnie Mouse flashing her tits. She has pasties on. All right, ready, girls? Three, two, one. Catherine, I'm the woman you're hitting on. Doug Kenny, Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Live from New York, it's Saturday night. We're barely able to put out a magazine. Some of us barely be able to do something else. The first National Lampoon movie. Laser Orgy Girls. These actors don't look exactly like the real people. But come on, do you think I look like Will Forte when I was 27? You think Will Forte is 27? Let's do this. This is for the magazine, right? Podcast from Parts Unknown, a Strange Journey to the Depth of Netflix. It is Anthony Lewis and Glenn Bove talking another not so random Netflix movie. Glenn, do you miss, by the way, the old system where we would get a random movie instead of picking for ourselves? No, not really, actually. <laughs> it's there's no there's no love lost for getting a a random documentary about uh IndyCar racing or living in virtual realities or anything like that. You don't miss any of that. I I guess, I don't know. To a degree, I had fun watching not-so-good movies because that was, like, by and large what we got. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was just more of a... I'm glad... I'd rather stick stick with the Netflix ones because, like, we watched Bright, and that was terrible. So That is true. I'm not opposed to watching something bad, but yeah. and it, I like the scope being more narrow. Yeah, and it was more fun, I guess, to talk about them than it was to watch them sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, I will definitely say that's uh, going to be a case for a future movie. I feel like we have more hits than misses, though, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, look, the odds are that you're always going to run into something bad, but... Uh, there's a good chance when you when you can like watch a trailer for something ahead of time or read about it ahead of time that you think oh this might be good. Uh, so I and I think we hit one here too. Uh, today we are watching the Netflix original film "A Feudal and Stupid Gesture," a biographical comedy film. 
based off of Josh Karp's book uh, by the same name, directed by David Wayne. Not Damon Wayans, but David Wayne. And uh, this is about the life, more or less, of Doug Kenny, who was one of the founders of the National Lampoon, which started as the Harvard Lampoon and then became a, a huge magazine, which then created and inspired a lot of stuff from, like, SNL. They made a couple of movies under... Actually, I think they only made one movie with Doug Kenny, according to this movie, uh, as part of National Lampoon, well, where he was involved. Technically, too, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, because, like... He, he was fired from the second one. Yeah, he left, and then he did Caddyshack, which I don't think is part... Caddyshack's not part of National Lampoon, right? Because um, in the movie, he quit and then went and made Caddyshack. You know, you give me like two seconds and I can find my Caddyshack uh, DVD that's right next to me. <laughs> uh, I just have to uncover it because everything I have is in alphabetical order. So give me just a second. Would it say National Lampoons on it? We'll find out. Yeah, it, it, if it is, it will. Let's see. Uh, I know this is super exciting. It is. Nope, it just says Caddyshack. Ah, there you go. Uh, I mean, they wanted to make, obviously, National Lampoon wanted to make a lot more movies, but it was after Doug Kenny had left uh, the the company. But, uh, yeah, this stars uh, Will Forte as Doug Kenny. It also features Martin Mull as uh, the modern Doug slash narrator. Uh, and uh, a whole bunch of other crazy casting choices, which, actually, they... Dress in the movie. Yeah, it's one. It's one thing this movie does well, and uh, it's addressing that this is a movie and that they went with wacky choices on purpose because they could make a joke about it in the movie. Uh, but there's a ton of of really great um, actors and actresses in this, ranging from Donald Gleason to Joe McHale. Uh, tons of comedians: Matt Daly and Seth Green for like. Literally two seconds. Seth Green for a couple of seconds. Uh, well, there, were, there were a couple of them that actually looked like the people. Like, the guy who they picked to be Harold Ramis, he looked a kinda. lot like a young Harold Ramis. Yeah. Um, the guy who was playing John Belushi, kind of. Yeah, kind of. The guy who... Oh, God, who was playing... Um, who was playing Bill Murray? He didn't necessarily look that much like Bill Murray. No, but he had the voice. He had the Bill Murray voice. Um... But yeah, there's a lot of uh, well-known people. Oh, the guy who did Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, he looked nothing like Rodney, but he sounded... A lot like Rodney. Yeah, it was a good impression. At times, he sounded so much like Rodney Dangerfield, I thought they'd taken... I thought it was dubbed. Yeah, loops of dialogue from previous Rodney Dangerfield things and just used it. Uh, It was very good. Uh, So what did you think uh, of the movie, Glenn? I I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, they they did it like because I don't see it a whole lot, but it's like my favorite narrative device. Probably because I saw it at such a young age. I don't know whenever you were in school um, oh, if you I ever had to read or watch the play Our Town. No, it's I don't. A think really we ever famous play. It, yeah, but the whole thing is like the narrative. You know. The narrator, he sets up the story, he sets up the stage for everything. Yes. But he'll get dropped into the 
into the play and he'll interact with the characters and drop out. Yes. And that's, you know, like what they did with Martin Maul's character. And I just thought that was, that's like my favorite thing. Cause I don't see it a whole lot and I can see where it's hard to pull off. And I just thought they did it really well. Yeah. They played. Some- Cause the whole movie was pretty tongue in cheek, but yes. it was, uh, that was very sweet. I mean, I thought it was a pretty endearing movie, which is not, it's kind of what I expected because Will Forte can he can kind of do schmaltzy stuff every once in a while. I mean, I think he's hilarious, but mm-hmm. um, I just I just thought it was excellent. I mean, there was uh, my favorite gag was the part where he's in L.A. and everyone's doing cocaine, and then he opens up that deal to get more cocaine. Yeah, and Joe McHale as Chevy Chase just walks up with a plate and a spoon, and he just starts putting it on his plate as if he's like at a buffet. Like I, I laughed so hard. So that was like my favorite bit that they did in the whole movie. I really um, enjoyed the fourth wall breaking. Yeah, uh, like they when they were introducing the National Lampoon players, essentially the people that they're in the movie, the ones that yeah. are, they're starting the magazine with. And then they're like, also, here's a whole bunch of other people. Like, there's just like a shitload of people standing outside, uh, like this window, and all these names are on the screen. Yeah, they're like, like oh, John this- Hughes. Yeah, John Hughes. They're just like, look, this would just be uh, too messy a narrative to tell for this movie. So you know, we just kept it to like these like five people or whatever it is. He's like, and the rest of you guys can fuck off. Uh, yeah, well, no, he was like, uh, we can, you know. Oh, and if you're gonna bitch about that, here's some other changes that we made because, uh, you know, can it get the authenticity, or we just fucking felt like it, and they just drop a list of everything that's inaccurate in the movie, like including was... stuff for later in the movie. There's like a because I, I paused it and was going through it a little bit because they're like, you know, here's a bunch of stuff that we changed for artistic license or because it would fit the story better, and it's like so and so wasn't actually yeah. here at this time or. You know, blah, 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 blah. They note that, like, Will Forte's hair isn't real, stuff like that. Uh, but there's also, like, a line where it's, like, you know, in the following... St- it's, like, spoilers for the rest of the movie. The following stuff takes place much later. Feel free to read it if you don't care. Or if you want, just come back after you've watched the movie and read it. Uh, but I actually did not read the rest of them because I didn't want to be spoiled. I was having too much fun uh, watching the movie. But ultimately what this is is... an. I think what it kind of boils down to is a, a not uncommon story, which is yeah. uh, like a genius comedy figure who is tormented either from a, a fucked up past or something else. But they're a, tor- it's a tormented genius story. And he, you know, as a comedian or as a funny guy, covers up for all of that with humor. So this guy's, you know, Will Forte's Doug Kenny. I don't, maybe he was like this in real life too, but like everything was a joke. Everything was a quip. Uh, there was very little real conversation at times. Uh, most of, most of all of his responses were a joke about something by and large. Uh, and then of course it, you see it happen with a lot of these, uh, uh, especially with comedians and stuff that are like this, you know, you see it start to, it stops compensating for things and shit starts spilling over and getting bad and ugly. 
And by the end, so the one thing, because I did not know that much about Doug Kenny. I knew I knew about National Lampoon, and I know that it started as the Harvard Lampoon, but I didn't really know anything yeah. about the people who started it. So it came as a surprise to me to find out that Martin Mull is playing somebody who doesn't exist, which is an older Doug Kenny, because Doug Kenny died when he was, you know, Will Forte's Doug Kenny. Uh, and yeah. the weird... I guess it's not weird... Because the I, so the official ruling was that he had slipped and fell off of a cliffside. I guess they ruled it an accidental death, but I only presume that that's the case because they didn't find any suicide note or you know anything else along those lines. I presume that it was probably a suicide. Well, that's what everyone thinks it was because the yeah. whole thing was that he went with Chevy. Because after that Caddyshack thing, he saw how bad of a spot he was in. Mm-hmm. And so he went, which they showed in the movie, and he goes with them to Hawaii. Yeah. And then they also have a pretty good joke about, like, oh, man, I've been sober for six days. And I only call my guy, and then they just immediately do drugs. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of like one of those things where Chevy just wasn't, although he was the friend who recognized it, he wasn't the person to get you on the road of recovery. No. Which, uh, having read the SNL book, um, is is a theme where Chevy sometimes might notice things, but his ego is always going to get in the way of it because he just wants to have a good time. Yeah, he'd rather uh, ena- he'd rather enable. And they talk about Doug Kenny in the book too. Yeah, uh, you know how they essentially not necessarily poached all those guys, but you know gave them a bigger platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say, I mean, granted, I don't know how accurate the. I don't remember seeing it in the inaccuracy thing about the dynamite, but the fact that Mike O'Donoghue wanted to fight off the police because that bomb was given to him and he, and he wanted right. to keep it like, uh, definitely fits, fits a very real narrative. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if it was true. Cause that guy had some problems. Yes. Uh, but no, it's just, it was, like you said the narrative device, or he even calls himself a narrative device for a movie. Yeah, at the uh, end. But it was, like, it was effective. Mm-hmm. And it not necessarily like a twist, but it was just, it made more sense for them to have it as if they if it was presented through his eyes. Because the only way you would ever get to the underbelly of his underlying issues is to have to go through all that comedy and bullshit before he could finally get to the core of it. You know, like at the beginning of the movie, and they're going to talk about his past. Like, nah, fuck, no one wants to start there. Let's start with the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, who and wants so, to start with the screwed-up family story? Yeah. But then they yeah. go back to it, obviously, and they yeah. tell this story now about... Now do you see why I didn't want to show this shit? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, and they tell this, um, they tell this story about, uh, you know, him kind of being... a. Uh, a leftist or a progressive in a what seems like a pretty conservative family and he had an older brother I guess who died at a young age and he was basically like the son that the dad wanted but he was left with Doug yeah and as a result kind of treated him as such I mean it was very much like uh the kid who grew up without a family despite being in a family 
and just wanted recognition. And I mean, he even gets to a point like that where he's arguing with his, uh, one of his many girlfriends that, you know, she's like, you need to make yourself the center of attention. And he's like, no, I just need to, you know, write another, uh, movie or something, uh, you know, to make myself the center of attention. Or yeah. Whatever. I got to write another, another, another hit. Yeah. It yeah. always felt threatened, yeah. which, uh, it was interesting because uh, I was listening to NPR the other day, and and they did a thing about Robin Williams. I guess there's a biography out about him now, mm-hmm. and very similar like mindset with him is he felt really threatened when Eddie Murphy was coming up because that was supposed to be his big break after Mork and Mindy. Yeah, and you know it took a couple more years before he finally caught on, and then when he was starting to be on the rise, you know someone like Jim Carrey came along and. Not that he didn't like those people, but he always felt threatened, which, mm-hmm. you know, is always kind of the joke about comedians is they're the most insecure people. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, so there's... <laughs> I, I, I So I guess, like, the ultimate, the culmination for all of this was, was him making um, Caddyshack. That was, like, the breaking point, right? Because it was... Yeah. It was met with not good early critical review. And then, very much like in real life, he's at a press conference for the movie or whatever, and he shows up drunk and berates all of the press. Although, to be honest, um, even after I read all that or or saw what happened, it's like, this is supposed to be terribly tragic because it's leading to his demise, ultimately. But, man, I could not help but laugh when he was talking about, you know... He's wasted, and he's just like, oh, it's a shit movie. It's so shitty. It's such a shit movie. But, you know, it's my it's my baby. It's my shit baby. And I <laughs> could not stop laughing. Yeah, you like the gopher? The, t- the fucking gopher? The goddamn... Like, yeah, not even a real gopher. Like- yeah. It wasn't <laughs> my idea to put that in there. Um, And at the end, it's... They... The the funeral scene is actually I thought really great. Even though there was no food fight in real life, uh, no. fake Bill Murray did say a line that real Bill Murray did say about yeah. how the every funny person in America is here, but nobody is laughing. Yeah. Uh, but then they have a food fight. I think, but that, I don't think he said that at Doug Kenny's funeral. I think he said that at John Belushi's funeral. Really? Yeah. I think because they talk about it in the SNL book and. Huh. Granted, their their deaths happened so close to each other yes. that I'm not a hundred percent certain uh, yeah. which one he see. But he did he did actually say that at a funeral. It just it might not have been Doug Kenny's. It might have been John Belushi. Yeah. But it it could have been Kenny because uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase didn't really get along. Yeah. Uh, so there was um, I mean they mentioned the title of the movie earlier on in the movie, but yeah. at the end the idea was that they would do a food fight during the funeral because it too is a futile and stupid gesture, but one that they thought Doug would have liked. Uh, but the, the best part about that for me was Martin Mull as modern Doug talking to Will Forte's, um, younger Doug. And I really, I like, that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. And I really, uh, got a chuckle when he's like, you know, if it if it helps, people really like Caddyshack now. It's actually yeah, to the point of, about they're actually kind of <laughs> annoying about it. 
Uh, I thought that was great. Well, there's um, a couple of times when they interact. Like they do. The movie does a good job of background stuff. Yeah. Like whenever Martin Mull's front and center earlier in the movie, and he's talking about how you know. Yeah. You know how none of these actors look like the other people, and then he's like, "You think Will Forte is looks like he's twenty-seven? Do you yeah, think you Will think Forte, Forte is twenty-seven? And you uh, see Will Forte in the background. He's like, "Like, come on, man, really? Yeah, like, he, yes." He looks right at him and kind of like shrugs his shoulders or whenever he hits on the secretary. The secretary, yes. And then (laughs) Martin Mull hits on him and then he's like, oh, what? It's uh, attractive and, uh, you know, sexy when he does it, but not when I do it. It's I'm old and creepy. Is that what it is? Uh, I thought that was (laughs) awesome as well. He was great in this. He was. I mean, it was so good to like see him. Mm Mm-hmm in a movie like something prominent yeah. you know not just a gene parmesan bit where he's the best spy who can <laughs> hide anywhere yeah. like in arrested development like it was good to see him in a i would say a leading role i mean he was i would say he's one of the co-leads mm-hmm. i would i would agree well i mean uh he because he mean, disappears for a little bit but he's in the he does. movie the first half a good chunk and then well, shows back up at the end. He's listed as third here on the starring list behind. Uh, is it like Dom Hall Gleason too? Behind Dom Hall Gleason uh, because he plays uh, yeah. Henry Beard, who man is an interesting character in and of itself. So he was like, he was like a hipster before there were hipsters. It seems like a, the college kid who like smoked pipes and was like I don't know, is super weird and. Like, he didn't seem like the kind of person who would, like, they seemed Writes like a very... book of puns about Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah, they seemed like very different people. And even now, like, when you read about him, like, it took forever for people to even find out how old he was. Because, like, it was so enigmatic that people didn't, like, couldn't even find out what his birthday was for the longest time, or how, or how old he was, and he's very much like... He, after leaving National Lampoon, he very much stayed stayed out of any spotlight. Yeah, uh, I just you know, was, wrote his books. Yeah, he's written... Oh, yeah, pro, like, prolific writer. He's written a ton of books. Uh, and weirdly enough, even though he... I don't think he had anything to do with Caddyshack, like, the, his last three or four books are all about golf. He did, like, a golfing book with Leslie Nielsen... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I went on a... I went on a Henry Beard deep dive to just because they do portray him as such like a um you know like a mysterious figure almost uh that you never really know that much about him and it turns out that's just being true to life he's he's very much like that but uh yeah i uh was pleasantly surprised by this it it made me think about death way more than i thought it would for some reason i'm not even sure why I guess it's probably just the tragic nature, because all I could think about a lot during this movie was Robin Williams uh, and and things like that, where you've got incredibly talented people who have demons that they are that they just struggle to overcome. Oh, I mean, to Belushi was the same way. Yes. Uh, Chris Farley, because Chris mm-hmm. Farley wanted to be Belushi so badly that he just took on the persona of yeah. what he is, yeah. which is kind of like a... I don't know if you watched that... Jim Carrey documentary 
about when he was on when he played Man on the Moon when he was Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I, I want to uh, see that documentary at some point. By the way, it is so unintentionally funny because Jim Carrey just is so serious about it that mm-hmm. I just wow. There's just no way you could be that pretentious. But he talks about like how he, you know, whenever they have, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe. I'm blanking on his name. What's the wrestler's name? Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, yeah. Because they did all those wrestling things, but they were actually mm-hmm. like best friends in real life. But mm-hmm. all Jim Carrey would do is be the persona that he saw on TV all the time. Yeah. And so, like, they, he tortured him and, like, Which Jerry Lawler weird. punched him in the face. Right? Yeah, because they were business partners in real yeah. life. Like, it's yeah, a word. like it best friends. It wasn't real at all. Yeah. And so that's, like, the thing is, you, you know... You know, Belushi had his demons, but all Chris Farley, you know, oh, the he's the fun big guy who did mm-hmm. all the physical comedy and this and that. Like, and that was, you know, you emulate your heroes in that way that you, you take on their faults that you, yeah, that you didn't really think were that detrimental, you know. Yeah, I mean, and these people are also kind so, of... So, no, this uh, movie was really sad. I mean, it wasn't yeah. sad. It was just uh, melancholy, I guess. Yeah, in ways. Um, at, at other times, it was... Yeah a lot of fun and really funny. Uh, I was, yeah. I was surprised at how many, how many laughs, uh, especially because like the rate he was going with, you know, line drops that I just figured eventually I'd get sick of them. But, uh, I don't know. They, they, they managed to, to pace it out pretty well. I'm always surprised. I, I cause I never read national lampoon or anything like that. Uh, and it's run like ended, you know, uh, quite some time ago. I think they, I don't even remember when their last printing was. I want to say it was maybe like in, uh, I could be wrong, maybe the 90s uh, or something like that. Uh, Maybe in the early 2000s, but I had no idea they posted the shit they posted in that magazine and that it was owned by the guy who made the Weight Watchers magazine. Like, all that stuff was just a revelation to me and super weird, but... Uh, did you ever read? Were you just like a watcher of the movies? I never read the magazine. No, I mean I, I'm like I'm familiar with like the famous covers, you know, uh, yeah, like the, the dog the with the gun dog. to its head, yeah. the cheerleaders with the butts. Like I'm familiar with the the really famous covers, but I never really read anything. And I, I knew some of the like the uh, the Vietnamese diary. Like I, I'm familiar with. Some of that just because of reading the SNL book, they they bring up a lot of that stuff about National Lampoon because, as you saw, so many of them came from it. So yep. it was uh, it, like things that I, I knew and had seen, but wasn't super familiar with. Like I had knew Doug Kenny had died, but I I kind of had forgotten it going into the movie, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, that's weird that they would have Martin Mulby, this guy older i thought he was dead so like it almost was like playing a trick with me even though if i knew the guy was dead i just thought oh that oh he okay i guess i was wrong he must actually have lived you know to a certain age and then nope you know which again it was effective in that way because in in some ways it reminded me of like wolf of wall street Mm -hmm. not just because of the drugs, but just, like, the the things they were doing in the office. Like, that's just not sustainable. Uh, But it had way more heart, whereas, like, Wolf of Wall Street was just spectacle. 
Yeah. And I guess you're like in a way you're glorifying, but I felt like in this like you're glorifying people that really were trying to do something and they had flaws and that's you know they're almost like a tragic hero. Like I, I felt feel more bad for them versus you know Jordan Belfort. Like I'm glad he gets his comeuppance because fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was this kind of little bit of a difference. Like the, I mean, as I love Wolf Wall Street. It's an amazing fun time, but I just felt like there was just a lot of heart and care into it. That yeah. I, as the movie went on, like the the food fight was a good release, mm-hmm. and you know, like you said, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if all these things happened. It was more, you know, the spirit of things. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing about Chevy Chase falling down all the time that he would meet him, like, that was a real thing. Because Chevy would do that with a lot of people. He would always do a pratfall. Just a bit he would do? Yeah, he just would always, if he, oh, 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 like, he would always just be this bumbling idiot. That was just what he did. Which, you know, you see it, like... You know, it's one of those things. The more you see it, it becomes less funny. But then they keep doing it so much that it becomes funny again. And I'm yes. sure that's how it was with those people in real life. Like, oh my god, he does this every. And, but you know, every once in a while, you would just laugh because it was just like, Gee, every do you have to do this every time? You know. Yes. So. Um. All right. Well, what would you give a futile and stupid gesture? Oh man, I don't want to go. Su- oh. I don't want to say five, but right. I kind of want to say five. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't go there, but like feel four, free. four and three quarters for sure. Mm-hmm. I gave it. Well, I was close. I gave it a four and a half. Uh, yeah, I. Thought and there was one was transition excellent. scene they did that was amazing. Mm. I know it was when they were uh, they were in New York, and he's talking to Catherine about. And we lost him. He's talking to her about going yeah, to we're, L.A. We're going and to as LA. soon as he goes around the corner, it cuts to the studio a lot. I'm like. Oh, Damn, yeah. like you don't do that in a comedy like this. That's yeah, that's they're, awesome. <laughs> they're like in a dark they're like in a dark room or something, or a, a, not a dark room, but a dark No no, they're room. outside. Well yeah, but it's like no, a little outside. I think it's like a little darker there because like they rip off like he yeah, rips well, off nighttime. his clothes. Yeah, it's nighttime. He rips off his yeah. clothes and then they just walk and as they walk it's getting brighter and then as the camera pans over it's like, Oh, they're in LA now or whatever. I thought that was yeah, excellent. I thought that was that was really cool, actually. Yeah, just um, you know, not what I would expect on a no a comedy they, movie where they didn't care about accuracy of how people <laughs> looked. Like it was just weird that they they did that. And it was they cool. It just they didn't do anything else like that in the movie either. Really, that was no. kind of the the only thing like that that they did. Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, awesome, and it only now sticks out to me that the movie poster is a take on the National Lampoon dog poster uh, cover (laughs) with the gun to the head. I didn't even notice that until just now. Uh, But yeah, four and a half. It was a really good movie. A surprise because I'd seen the trailer and I'm like, oh, that could be fun, I guess. But I had no expectations for it and uh, it turned out to be quite excellent. Uh, yeah, I just I wasn't expecting Martin Ball to be in it that much. I wasn't expecting him to break the fourth wall. I just thought it was going to be like the, he's oh, he's setting the stage, and then they're going to go into the movie, and then maybe he'll come up at the end again. But I didn't know they were going to intertwine him like that, which I loved. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, before we head on out, I'd like to thank the sponsors this week, Adam Tickets. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Tickets, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. And, uh, Glenn, that's a wrap for this episode. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. You can also find us on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, and tune in for this particular feed. Just search for Cinema Geekly and hit subscribe. And uh, then you can hear us come back, talk about the next Netflix film that we are going to cover. This time, my pick, the 2018 neo-noir sci-fi film from Duncan Jones. It's called Mute. And we'll talk about it on another podcast from Parts Unknown.